0: welcome to utopian horizons hello and welcome to utopian horizons a podcast where i cover a different utopia dystopia utopian thinker or movement in each episode my name is paul um Last time I recorded an episode, and and last year, in fact, I told you that I was gonna be trying to get ep- episodes out more regularly uh, this year. Uh, maybe you didn't believe me, but look, here we are. It's been, I think, uh, I think less than two weeks since the last episode came out, or something like that. Anyway, uh, you've already got no- already got another one. Um, I'm gonna try and uh, keep that up. We'll see how that goes, but um, yeah. I, I meant it when I said it, and uh, this is the first instance of that, and and hopefully I'll keep on going. But um, yeah, th- this episode today actually is is kind of be gonna. I guess is a little bit different to stuff that I've done in the past, in that normally when I cover a book or a film or whatever it is, I've read that book or watched that film from start to finish. This episode is covering a series of novels, um, the the Culture series of novels by Ian M Banks. Which I have not read. I've not read a single book in this in the series, um, so that means there is still scope for another culture episode in the future. Which I guess you could say takes the the standard approach or whatever from what I've done in the past. But this is is um, based on an article that my this episode is based on an article that my guest Kurt Schiller wrote for Blood Knife, uh, an online magazine. We'll talk about what that is when we get to to chatting with Kurt. So he's written this article about um the culture series, this this ser- series of uh sci-fi novels by Ian M. Banks and the phenomenon of it having uh billionaire fans that kind of seems to be at odds with uh, its explicit uh socialist um politics. So yeah, I thought this would be well, first of all, I just thought this might be cool to do. Um but but yeah, I was thinking um in terms of this thing of me trying to get episodes out more regularly, sometimes talking to someone who's who's uh, written something or, or taken a, a specific angle on something uh, might be a cool thing to do because, um, first of all, because it's interesting, and second of all, because uh, as uh, while I'm reading like other longer things, I can uh, get these episodes out more quickly. So I guess you could say this was something of an experiment, and after talking to Kurt, I... Think I consider it a successful experiment. So uh maybe maybe there'll be more of that. But yeah, if 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 at this point you're wondering um what is the culture series of novels, who's in and banks, what billionaire fans are you talking about? Why is it weird that they're fans why is that important or significant? Well, we're gonna get to all of that when we talk to to Kurt. Um so don't worry about that. If you're also thinking who's Kurt, well, we'll deal with that as well. What's Blood Knife? we'll talk about that um just quickly before we get to that i will do my uh my standard uh plug which you probably skip past at this point but um if you're enjoying this if you've been enjoying this podcast uh if you enjoy this episode when you get to the end of it please consider giving me uh, a review or rating on whatever you listen to this to that does help with the podcast in terms of its visibility and how many people see it So that would be much much appreciated if you want to um help support me doing this podcast and uh help me to to stick with this commitment of doing stuff a bit more regularly then you can support me at patreon.com slash utopian horizons uh where if if you sign up to that to support me you'll get access to a bunch of bonus episodes that are up there Whole list of stuff, Uh, episodes running through capitalist realism chapter by chapter, episodes on anime, episodes on video game stuff. And I just started doing uh, a run through of uh, Snowpiercer, the Netflix series. Uh, I've done one episode of that. I'm going to do another one. Uh, I'm going to try and do another one like in the next week or so. So that should be coming soon as well. So yeah, I think that's all I need to say about that. So. Let's just get on to my conversation with Kurt. Joining me now is Kurt Schiller. He is uh, editor of Blood Knife. Um, Kurt, rather than me trying to explain what um, Blood Knife is, I think it'd be easier if if you could uh, tell the listeners uh, what that is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to. So, Blood Knife is a, a digital magazine. It's a monthly magazine about science fiction, fantasy, horror, and capitalism. Um, we are essentially a a monthly uh, leftists slash socialist magazine that publishes uh, original essays about various science fiction and fantasy and horror properties. Really, anything that might broadly fit into genre media, whether that's you know books, movies um we've even done some things about music i think or we have some coming up uh and we just kind of explore the overlap of you know left wing politics and uh popular media and and you know when i say popular that that could be anything from you know the the latest blockbuster to something a, a little less w- well known such as uh, the culture series that we're here to talk about now
0: yeah cool and i, I i'd recommend uh, listeners checking it out because i think it's got some of the in some ways, somewhat of a similar approach to some of the stuff I'm trying to do on this podcast, and uh, certainly deals with with some of the same issues in terms of the way it's critiquing capitalism and and stuff, and and uh, indeed looking at genre fiction and stuff is something I I very much enjoy. So I think if you like this podcast, then you'll you'll find something uh, of value on Blood Knife as well. Um, indeed, I've written an, an article for you on, on Blood Knife uh, on on The Last of Us 2 uh so yeah that's there as well um yeah and that was a yeah. wonderful
1: article and it it should be out um actually probably by the time that this podcast is out because i was actually just going to go unlock it uh later today since we're we're patreon supported and so you know we we mm. release about half of our articles to the public and half of them to subscribers and then as the month goes on we unlock everything so
0: cool okay um well yeah as as uh kirk mentioned um we're going to be talking about uh the culture series More specifically, Kurt wrote an article. Again, you can find that on Blood Knife about um, the Culture series and and the kind of the more specifically the phenomenon of this um, series of kind of uh, socialist novels having billionaire fans, which is kind of a a, a strange a strange phenomenon. (laughs) So um, I thought it would be something that was was fun to talk about. So. To start us off, to to kind of try and orient us, for people who have no idea, first of all, can you tell us what the culture series is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the culture series is a collection of 10 kind of loosely related uh, science fiction novels by the Scottish author Ian M Banks, and he wrote them between 1987. And when he passed away in uh, 2013. And they are broadly, I guess you would say, uh, kind of far future space opera, um, and they're they're primarily kind of you know adventure oriented. Um, they're not quite they're not quite military science fiction, I would say, although they they borrow some aspects of of that. Um, but one of the interesting things about them is um, they're 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 pretty you know explicitly left wing um, to the point that I, I would almost say that you know the 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 group of people that they're about the the culture is essentially a kind of further left post scarcity version of say like the united federation of planets from from star trek so broadly speaking they have this incredibly advanced uh society very loosely non hierarchically organized that has access to you know technology that's so advanced that it may as well be be magic um so they have you know mm-hmm. fully sentient artificial intelligence they have Um, you know essentially limitless availability of resources they have the ability to construct these kind of you know giant uh larry niven style rings um that they 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 also sometimes call call orbitals um and and so it's it's broadly speaking a a sort of you know far future far left ultra tech uh space opera series of novels um and you know just just in terms of uh you know it's personal uh my my personal view of it i think they're great um which which I, i'm sure will will come across pretty quickly uh as i keep uh, talking about them
0: yeah i they've been they've been recommended to me multiple times to cover on the podcast i think so you're you're not alone in thinking they're great for sure um so in terms of okay so we've got this this society called the culture. Um, and as you've, you've kind of indicated there, it's like a a very advanced, um, some might say utopian society. Um, could you, could you talk us through a bit, like what that utopia looks like? Like what's the structure of society? What's it like to live in? Um, firstly, because this will be helpful context again, when we get to talking about, um. These are billionaire fans we mentioned and yeah just because utopias are unfortunately very rare in fiction so it's it's nice to come across one um yeah it'd be nice to hear about what this utopia looks like yeah
1: absolutely and just to kind of circle back to what you said about you know them being recommended to you you absolutely should check them out um just in terms of like being science fiction i think they're, they're really great um and that they're great in every sense of like they're well written they're also just kind of like they're they're very readable um you know Banks was like a very good writer his prose is is really great he actually he originally came to prominence as a uh, literary fiction writer who kind of wrote these kind of like weird um with like very like high concept often like crime oriented novels or novels about like c- serial killers and all sorts of strange kind of like grand uh nullll stuff I'm sure that I, I I pronounced that wrong um but uh they're they're just they're they're really good just in terms of being science fiction but um in terms of the utopia itself the 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 way that banks described it was essentially as um I, I guess it's it's almost like a a realistic, Uh, version of the society that he wanted to live in which essentially is like he would describe it as a society where nobody is exploited nobody has to do anything Um, everything is kind of very uh, I I guess it's it's a kind of like anarcho-communism almost um, where you know people don't have to work there's no property, there's no capitalism, nobody wants for anything. Everyone is just kind of free to live their life as they see fit. So, you know, the majority of people in the culture just kind of live lives of leisure. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, the, the actual labor of running things for the most part is done by these like super intelligent machines called minds, who are in, in every sense, you know, equal citizens, they, they are just as much um, members of the society as as anyone else. But the interesting thing about it is, the whole thing is a very like consent based utopia where we're kind of it's, I've said loosely organized a bunch of times, it's all run through a kind of like instant direct democracy. Where, you know, if you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to leave, you can leave. You can't really claim anything for yourself, but you'll never want for anything. So people live on these, you know, these vast megastructures in space where if they want to live on a mountain range, well, there's a mountain range that they can live on. Um, If they want to go, you know, travel the universe endlessly on, you know, a, a giant spaceship, they're free to do that. They can't, you know, exploit or harm anyone else. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's essentially a, a world where everyone has everything and nobody is required to to do anything. And, and it's it's made possible effectively by their level of mass technology and the, the fact that, you know, they've they've reached a state where um, any labor that that has to be done can be done by these you know super intelligent um, artificial intelligences where you know, the mm. the the full effort of running the entire society and doing all the work is like a fraction of a percent of their full, you know, uh, capabilities. And so they basically run things almost like as a favor uh, to humanity while also remaining part of it. So um, it's, it's a very, like, it's a very, like, post-everything sort of society. And I, I think that, you know, mm. as you kind of read through it, you you quickly realize that there's not a lot of strife in it and so it's it's difficult to set like an interesting story fully within it and so just you know as an aside a lot of the books themselves don't actually take place directly within the utopian society of the culture they kind of happen around the fringes or there might be like an agent provocateur of of the culture um or someone who is you know engaged by them to to do something involving another society that they have have come into contact with mm.
0: That makes sense because it sounds like it would be quite difficult to set an interesting story like within the utopian society where it it sounds like there's very little kind of conflict like there's very little cause for kind of tension and uh you know if you don't have these kind of imbalances of power and things like that there's there's, there's not really the there's not really the context to have have like story where there's conflicts taking place so it seems to make sense to me that they would have to be on the fringes or kind of outside uh in some way
1: yeah and and this i think is one of the things that made me want to write about the series in terms of being like leftist science fiction because i think a lot of the times we you know when you start writing about utopia um your your first inclination as as a writer is to wonder like okay well what did you have to sacrifice what is what are you giving up to be part of this utopia mm-hmm. something you know Like Ursula K. Le Guin's, uh, uh, the ones who walked away from from uh, from Omalas, you know, explicitly deals with this idea of like, oh, there's this utopia, but there's one really dark thing, some secret that really raises the question of like, is it a utopia? Is it a a dystopia? And and Banks um, was very explicit when he was you know creating this setting that he he wanted it to be. Like just a society of very well meeting, very capable, well-organized, you know, nice people who effectively um, didn't even necessarily like construct their utopia because they are socialists. Um, Banks has this very interesting conception uh, that is, like, very Marxian, very materialist, that, like, if, you know, if you reach this level of technology and you don't destroy yourself, that just by dint of kind of existing in space as this vast distributed society, that you would essentially kind of fall into this type of leftist uh, utopia. And, And so, as you say, he kind of, like, created this as it seems like not 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 quite wish fulfillment um, but but very much like something where he was like this is exactly what I think is the ideal place that I would want to live and then as you say as he set out to write stories in it he, he you know he, he tweaks it in various ways so like in the first novel the the the, the culture are effectively the antagonists um, and you get it from the point of view of someone who's who's basically in a war against them um, and, and so you get the the kind of uh, alternative point of view of well okay what's what's wrong with them and and the view is basically that they're 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 arrogant and like expansionist and you know ob- obnoxious um and then all, all the subsequent novels are are broadly speaking from their point of view but it's it's almost never just people hanging out existing in utopia um because like as you say that would be kind of kind of boring um but what but mm-hmm. i think is interesting though and that does drive a lot of the a lot of the setting and kind of a lot of the, the plots and also what I think makes it interesting to talk about as leftists is that what what Banks does is not so much explore, like, how did they get to this utopia, but like, what does it actually look like to run a post-scarcity utopia? So he explores things like, well, how do they solve, you know, the the petty disagreements that arise between people who are competing for, you know, acclaim and attention? How do you deal with people who maybe just you know don't want to live in a utopia maybe they they like conflict that's how they thrive as as people um you know how does a utopia that's very kind of well-meaning and benign interact with people around it who are aggressively hostile towards it so he's he's not afraid to kind of like tweak his own utopia what but, but at the same time um he 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 describes it effectively as socialism within anarchy without in the sense of you know within the bounds of the culture um they have their own way of of organizing society where everyone is very nice and very pleasant and then you know outside of that um there's kind of kind of all bets are off they they try to be benign but they're not trying to be you know a, a galactic government either. yeah okay
0: um i think that's uh yeah that that's certainly um to its benefit to do things like that um well i, I haven't read it but but what i mean is um <laughs> i think utopias uh is important to deal with stuff like okay what about the people who don't fit what about the people who who, who don't want to be there because those are questions that inevitably arise and if you ignore that then i think you weaken the strength of your vision so it's good to hear that that he's doing that um so you've you kind of you've kind of touched on it a bit already. But um, I think, again, this is important for the context for what what we're going to be, be talking about um, a bit later. You talked about Banks's politics. And so we we sometimes get fiction that can like, people will read it as, as left wing or, or right wing or whatever, but you, you may not be entirely sure of uh, the politics of the author, they may not be particularly public about that. But um, in this case, we can be uh, pretty confident that yeah. <laughs> that it, what in banks's politics are correct
1: yeah absolutely so i mean i mean banks was based, was effectively a lifelong socialist um and it's it's interesting looking back on on interviews uh, with him from like the 80s and 90s because he he was always very explicit a- about being a socialist you know he was a member of uh the, the Scottish socialist Party he was interviewed in a wide variety of socialist newspapers um he, he's you know he he never really made any effort to hide what his own politics were um but but because I think socialism and and you know Communism and kind of far left uh, ideologies in general were not nearly as well represented in, in in pop culture before, you know, things like the Occupy movement and its kind of offspring mm. kind of brought them back in, into the mainstream. Um, it, it's almost like people didn't notice, and they were like, "Oh, he's just very liberal." Um, so, you know, when I when, when I started reading Banks in the '90s, my impression of him was was basically that he was kind of like a sort of Dennis Kucinich type. You know, he was he was you know uh, like an electoral lefty guy who didn't like the Iraq War, and he he didn't like you know mm. imperialism, and I had some vague sense that he was you know pro environment and kind of anti exploitation. But if you actually go back and look at the interviews, he's very explicit that you know, um, there's there's a 1994 essay that he wrote called a few notes on the culture, where he basically lays out like, I see the market as evil. I see capitalism as evil. It doesn't work. It's the cause of all these problems. I have created this world in which capitalism doesn't exist within this society. And I want to show that, hey, you can have a nice society without capitalism and kind of explore what that looks like and what that means. Um, And, you know, as... It's funny because, like, I feel like now it would be much his his politics would be much more noteworthy. But at the time it was almost like quaint, like, oh, there goes, you know, Ian Banks with his his funny, you know, leftist politics to the point that, like, I think the, the most widely covered political thing about him um, was uh, in kind of the run up to the Iraq War um, in, or I guess the, the, the second Iraq war, I I should say, um, in the 2000s, he, you know, he, he famously wanted to get Tony Blair kicked out of office. Um, and when he kind of failed at that, he cut up his, his passport and and mailed it to uh, 10 Downing street, which which again, like you read that and you're, you get this impression that he's like, oh, he's kind of like, you know, like a, like a, like a stronger version of like the Dixie chicks. And, and it was easy to kind of see him as it within kind of like a broader purview of, of, liberalism but no he's he's always Mm -hmm. been very explicit that he's you know anti-capitalist um and kind of very explicitly pro pro pro-socialist in a a very pointed way but at the same time you know it it doesn't his his fiction is not is not like lecturing fiction it's it's not like um like ayn rand or or even something like upton sinclair where you know there's these big speeches about why this is the right way he he was essentially writing like leftist science fiction for himself and for other leftists he wasn't necessarily trying to proselytize through through his fiction so you know it's it it is at times easy to overlook
0: okay so that kind of, of, of brings us to this point of so as you said we've got this this guy who's explicitly said that the market is evil that capitalism is evil we've got this series of novels that is but there's a society that's represented as as utopian where there's no property there's no money there's there's no capitalism and this brings us to the rather strange phenomenon where we have the the, the kind of ultimate capitalists <laughs> um in people like elon musk's uh elon musk and jeff bezos being being fans which is what you were writing this article about, uh, this kind of, this strange phenomenon. Um, now, you touch on this in the article as well. We, we've probably all read or watched or whatever, some piece of fiction that, that doesn't like imperfectly uh, chime with our own personal politics. Um, sometimes, you know, I've, I've frequently enjoy stuff where I think, okay, but this part of it, I, I don't like uh, what, what it's saying here. I think that's quite normal. But I wouldn't, for example, read Ayn Rand for fun. Um, that would be annoying to me because it's so kind of, uh, I find it so the the kind of, as you said as well, it's more kind of, um, she's more explicitly pushing a particular ideology out there. But also it's, it's kind of so ethically bankrupt and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, abhorrent to me that I would not enjoy reading it this the ideology of uh, that the banks has and that seems to be coming through these novels doesn't seem like it should be something enjoyed by musk's musk and bezos um but yeah first of all so so they've um they've expl- they've publicly said that they they're fans of, of these uh of these novels right
1: yeah and i mean they, they've even effectively done kind of like tributes or like shout outs to it like um, mm. And they, they they take slightly different forms, you know. I, I think I think Musk, as everyone knows, is a much more, uh, you know, kind of like at times obnoxiously public individual. He he seems to yeah. want to talk about himself all the time, Whereas uh, yeah. Jeff Bezos is a little bit more more private. Um, mm. But but n- neither of them have made any particular secret of of their love for it. Um, I think the first reference I saw to Jeff Bezos talking about uh Eden banks was um there was this interview i want to say in about 2006 2007 when you know he was he was very rich but he wasn't quite you know you know 2021 jeff bezos um where someone asked him you know what, what you know we heard that you're a big science fiction fan what are some sci-fi writers that you like it he mentions you know philip k dick and robert heinlein and, and isaac asimov and then and then he mentions um uh, banks explicitly. And I, I believe in that interview, he even kind of adds like a little coda that, you know, like, I really like, I really like this guy. Um, and, uh, and, and it, you know, on a very su- surface level, I, I think one of the most common, kind of like dismissive responses that I got to this was was, well, you know, of course, they like it. They like science fiction, and it's it's good science fiction. And it is. And that's, you know, that's that that's a very fair uh, point. Um, but there's there's I think two things um, that set it apart, uh, which is that you know both Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk have specifically said not only that that they like it, um, and and I, I mentioned what kind of Bezos uh, talking about it, Musk has talked about it in much the same way, and they they both kind of named things after it. Um, mm-hmm. Or Jeff Bezos tried to fund uh, a a culture TV series that was going to be based on on the first novel, and it, it wound up not not happening, um, which I'm I'm kind of pleased about because I, I suspect that it probably wouldn't be a very particularly good adaptation. Although who, you know who knows. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Elon Musk has has named a variety of things. Um, he has these kind of like autonomous barges that they use as part of SpaceX, that he's named them after the kind of very silly names that spaceships have. Um, in the culture series, uh, you know th- things like experiencing a shortfall of gravitas. Uh, yes, I read the instruction manual. There are all these these kind of like you know silly little jokes. um But but they've they've both not just kind of said they like it. They both have said that this is what they this is kind of the vision of the future that that they like and or are concerned about. So um, Elon Musk specifically said like this is my ideology i want anarchist space utopia along the lines of the culture and uh bezos has has also said things kind of to to, to that effect of like you know if we have any hope of of reaching this level we need to be doing x y and, and z to which I, I you know as i'm sure uh a lot of people who are familiar with this fiction and are, are are on the left kind of went kind of went like, huh? That's that's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird statement, especially trying to square that with the direction that they personally seem to be driving uh, society. But yeah, it's, you know, suffice to say, both like very public fans about it, and, and also you know have have in some way even like ideologically aligned themselves with some aspects of what Banks's vision of of the future are, in, in particular like widespread adoption of technology and and space travel seems to be the the primary things um that that the two of of them have have uh, pointed to
0: yeah yeah this is this is interesting to me because um yeah for, for one thing this kind of touches on on an idea of like what we might expect utopian fiction to do um uh, and kind of like how, yeah what its political utility is like how we would expect it to to be received uh this is not how i would expect it to be received um <laughs> and uh also just i think it's um an interesting i think this is an interesting way of getting at trying to understand in some way a, a very kind of strange uh and sometimes contradictory ideology a particular kind of capitalist ideology yeah that's yeah. held by a particular kind of capitalist i mean we're talking here explicitly about silicon valley uh you know tech people have made their money in, in in tech uh in silicon valley there's a particular kind of ideology there which is i think different um to to many other uh wealthy people so i think this is a really interesting way to trying to get into and understanding that so yeah how do we how do we explain the how do we explain this how do we explain them being fans how does this uh how do they reconcile what they're seeing here with what they believe i think you've already you, you've already suggested one thing which i, I completely makes sense to me which is you mentioned it's science fiction they like science fiction as you mentioned already in this and in your article mask has his has spacex um Bezos has his space company. What's it called? Blue, Blue Origin. Blue Origin, yeah. Um, so they're in, they're into space. Musk is obsessed with the idea of getting to the moon. Uh, they love all this shit. So the fact that there's space stuff in in the culture series that makes sense to me that they like that. <laughs> but um, going beyond that, like how how do we kind of yeah how do you try and account for this? What did you did you come across when you were trying to think through this uh, strange? Phenomenon. Yeah.
1: So so you mentioned something really really critical I think which is the kind of Silicon Valley um aspect or you know I've even called it called like you know the the uh what's it called like the the California ideology which kind of mm. coming out of like yeah. the the techno culture of the 70s and 80s this idea that you know widespread access to information and technology is itself Kind of like inherently liberatory like it doesn't it doesn't matter so much the the ethics by which you achieve it or like the ramifications of adopting and producing this technology just this idea that like as technology becomes more widely available as we increasingly move into kind of like a cyber society you know people will just naturally gain more liberty and it, it's, it's almost like a weirdly like purely technocratic materialism i, I guess or just kind of like a mm-hmm. full technocratic uh, view this idea that you know just as we get smarter, we will get better. So as long as we're getting smarter, we are also simultaneously getting better. Um, and I, I think that you know it's the the, the way that and and you, you can see this in kind of the way that they they approach it. Like like Musk specifically has said, you know, this is the future that I want essentially. And you look at what he's doing now, and yeah, he's you know he he seems to get a real. Uh, what, what I assume is like a real honest joy about, you know, interesting technology. And so it seems reasonable yeah. to me at least to say, well, you know, he thinks that, you know, at at some level, furthering the goal of, you know, widely available human spaceflight uh, is an inherent good, whatever the costs are, whatever that means in, in terms of. Of you know labor and and exploitation, whatever it means in terms of the defense industry and imperialism, that that's all kind of irrelevant to the central goal of um to, to borrow like a video game analogy, like moving up the tech tree. And you see the same thing from from uh, Bezos, where he's you know he, he's given these presentations about you know very like uh like almost like Timothy Leary esque you know like. proclamations of like you know mankind's future is in the stars we have to be prepared Mm to leave the you know leave the earth behind and seek our destiny in the stars and to me there's an aspect of it that very much like obviates um the the very real implications to the societies that we live in of of trying to produce and adopt this technology as well as the fact that you know I, i mean Banks does kind of approach it from this very technocratic idea that this is the only reasonable way to organize a an extremely advanced space uh, society. You you either destroy mm. yourself or you organize it like this. But there's there's really two things or I guess two two issues that that seem to me to to cause like a, a misalignment here. One is that Banks has always been very explicit that the the culture is not us. Um it's it's not earth humans and in fact earth and our current society appears in one of the culture short stories called state of the art and and to you know they they basically visit earth and, and have a look around and say like what's up with, with these people and you know unsurprisingly they, they don't have a very a very uh, high opinion of us um hmm. but but there's also this idea that the culture the people of the culture are are a you know so far in the future that it's it's essentially irrelevant. Um, like where they came from and and then also be they're they're fundamentally different from us both in terms of like uh like who they are but also kind of like what they are and like how they behave um so something that banks has has talked about is that you know like um for us to be the culture we would essentially need to engineer ourselves to be better people to be um you know nicer to one another to have uh you know greater s- solidarity with each other to be kind of more generous and 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 outgoing and generally you know benign um so you know the the idea that like you know these two billionaires seem to have that oh you know by producing more and more technology and making it more widely available to some people anyway we are kind of on this direction is is actually you know completely directly contrary to what the the author has said about it but at the same time This is something that is kind of sublimated under other things in the novels. Um, I I think I I mentioned earlier that, you know, Banks doesn't really spend a lot of time talking about where the culture came from. Just kind of assumes that, you know, they got there and they're here and they're like this now. Um, What he does spend a lot of time uh, talking about is kind of how that society functions, how they resolve problems. Um, and so you know, I, I think from the point of view of of someone like like Jeff Bezos, yeah, of course he sees the appeal of it. Uh, you know, who wouldn't see the appeal of a society where you know, you don't have to work and you can have essentially anything that you want and there's cool space stuff mm. e- everywhere. Um, and at another level, it's like a very kind of basic uh, ob- obliviousness, I, I think to some of the some of the other themes that come up in, in terms of the, you know, how the people in these novels navigate you know moral and ethical quandaries and kind of how they police their own behavior um because i, I would say he you know they're they they are at some level working towards this future but i i don't mm. think they're working towards this society at all yeah
0: yeah i i think i can completely imagine someone coming from that um kind of uh california like tech-based thinking that you're, you're talking about seeing this society and seeing like how okay so the people in the society don't don't want for anything um uh, but but that's all provided for through super advanced technology right so i can i can quite imagine them like backwards engineering that and saying well we don't have the technology to do that so it's fine that we don't yeah. have <laughs> equality like like they do you know what i mean they see they see that the, the 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 good things that exist in that society are entirely dependent on reaching a level of technology to provide it, and therefore, because we don't have that technology, we can't have like an equal society. Basically, like that, they see it as being dependent on the technology.
1: Yeah, and and I, I also I also think that kind of people from that that broadly, I, I guess you would kind of say like broadly like right libertarian um ideology which which actually it's you know it, I, I should mention this this is something that banks was explicitly asked about um you know a few years before his death uh there was a really great series of interviews um carried out by a woman whose name uh, escapes me but it was it was uh featured in uh, it was featured in uh, strange horizons magazine in 2010 where he's kind of explicitly asked like so a lot of you know american libertarians uh, look at the culture and say, like, yes, this is exactly the society that that we want to. Everyone has perfect freedom. Nobody is, you know, forced to do anything. Um, you know, what do you think about that, you know, M- Mr. Banks? And his his response is basically like, uh, I, I despise everything about American-style libertarianism. Like, how can they possibly look at this world I've created that has no private property, no money? Um, and, and be like, oh yes, you know, if we're as selfish as possible, if we're as individualist as possible, we'll kind of, you know, stumble backwards into, you know, enlightened, uh, socialism. And it, it is like a very funny, um, I guess it's kind of like a, a myopia to the role of the individual in some of these utopias, because like to, to an individual in a sufficiently advanced kind of post scarcity society, yes, you can do anything that you want. Um, but there's, there's this, this thing that, um, my, my father always loved to say to me growing up, which was, you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything that you want. And I I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's an aspect of that 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 comes up where it's like, yes, you can do anything you want. If you want to live a life of leisure, you can do that. Um, but there, there, there are limits where, you know, by, by choosing to organize society in this way, you have effectively eliminated the possibility for a jeff bezos or an elon musk to to exist because the role mm-hmm. of the individual itself is is you know very much downplayed like everything is democratically decided so you you know you you can't it, it's the i think i think they even mentioned at some points like it's very rare to find someone who owns a spaceship in the culture you can go and like get on a spaceship and be like hey where are you going oh okay you're going here i'll go there too um, you can you can kind of ask and say, hey, I'd like to go on this tour of all these you know star systems, and they'll do their best to accommodate it. But but you can't fully be a, a kind of uh, I guess fully empowered individual with with power over society. Um, but again, it's it's hard to see that when the constraints placed upon you are are so minimal. I, I think, and so again, it, to me, it it comes back to this idea of like, yes, they can see the good, but um they they kind of miss the 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 way that they themselves probably are that being such a a weirdly individually empowered individual is inherent to being elon musk like there there can be no elon musk in the culture because elon musk is defined by telling people what to do and owning things and you can't do either of those things in the culture
0: yeah although uh interestingly you, you suggested that uh yeah, I completely agree with you there can't be an Elon Musk in the culture but but you suggested that um perhaps one of the reasons that they have such an affinity with this book is because Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos in a way can see themselves in the culture because they are far closer to living a life like that than any of us are yeah Which I think is a yeah yeah there's
1: there's there's this thing that keeps occurring to me which you know like people will complain about like why don't we have jetpacks why don't we have flying cars um why don't we have lasers why don't we have you know this that and the other thing and the truth is like most of that technology does exist it's just that only rich people have it um and and so like i I think yeah in a very real sense if you are extremely wealthy you you may as well be living in you know a an advanced sci-fi society um, because anything that you want can effectively be you know if if you're a multi-billionaire anything you want can be effect can be accomplished either by technology or by the exploitation of labor you know if 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 Jeff Bezos uh you know wanted i don't know you know a a, a house that moves around all the time you know, on the one hand, he could uh, try to develop the, the technology for that. On the other hand, I'm sure that there's a sufficient number of people that could be exploited to, you know, or, or hired or or whatever to make them do that. Like there there's there's not a lot of problems that you can't solve short of bending the rules of physics that, you know, Jeff Bezos couldn't go out and do. Like if if he wants to go build a skyscraper on top of a mountain, that would be like, you know, a fraction of his fortune. There's there's really very very few limits i think to their ability to enact their imagination and and so yeah exactly like like they're they're effectively already living in a post scarcity world um and i I actually think this is something that that, that they don't
0: don't experience scarcity yeah (laughs) in their day-to-day life at all
1: yeah, I mean they've they've basically uh yeah, they they've basically created like a little ultra tech utopia for themselves. It's just that there's only, you know, five or six people <laughs> in it. Um but yeah. but this is, you know, it's, it's interesting because um towards the end of his life Banks Banks like explicitly mentioned um that, you know, this idea of like, you know, technology itself is not the answer. Um I think it was in an interview in 2009 with CNN where he specifically says, you know, we've we've essentially created a culture uh no no pun intended where you know a a small number of people have access to technology far in advance of what anyone else in the world can can dream of and we don't appear to be getting any closer to my ideal of a non-exploitative utopia we've we've just kind of hidden the exploitation from a you know a smaller and smaller number of people
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah um another uh kind of key argument you, you made as well is that actually you've, you've mentioned this already a couple of times the fact that banks is not really concerned in showing us how utopia how we get to utopia he shows us a utopia there's a utopia already fully formed by the time we come to the novels and you kind of suggested that that kind of leaves open then the, the space for speculation of, of how you might get there and you have so we yeah we don't know how they get there so so Jeff Bezos and uh, you know Musk have a space to imagine how that might happen we can kind of tie that in with um as you suggested these uh these these AIs these minds these kind of perfectly rational elevated beings that can kind of manage everything from above uh, and you you kind of made the argument that, that they might see themselves as this this might basically appeal to their ego as they kind of see themselves as like the stewards like bringing forth this future like they have they've seen where we want to go banks did not provide a, a template of how to get there and they see themselves as effectively doing that
1: yeah and this is this is something that i've noticed over and over again um when it comes to kind of i guess what you could broadly call like pop culture artificial intelligence studies, because I, I, I want to kind of seg- segment this off from like actual, you know, like machine learning mathematics-based yeah. artificial intelligence studies. But, um, you know, you have people like... Uh, Eli Ezer Yudkowsky um, from uh, Less Wrong, who you know have become these kind of like pop culture figures, specifically on the right, talking about you know how we need to grapple with the question of artificial intelligence, and, and I, I do think it very much comes back to that fundamental question of like technocracy, this idea that you know okay, maybe if if technology isn't necessarily entirely good, then then having more of it is at least potentially a good thing. Um, and, and and yeah, like like the, the, the I think there's a case to be made that um, you can look at the culture and just see a a very 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 well run society. And if you're someone like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, they clearly have some idea that they are able to. Uh, that they, they have some understanding of the direction that that society should should go in. Or at the very least, they don't seem concerned by the effects that they're having on it. And th- this, to me especially, is very weird when you get to someone like, like uh, Jeff Bezos, because, you know, I, I mean, we, when you look at the way that Amazon's stature in the world has changed over the last, like, five or six years, you know, uh, a decade ago, it was pretty rare that you would meet someone who worked for Amazon. And now, at least in the US, you know, I, I assume that everybody knows someone or knows someone who knows someone who has worked in one of the Amazon warehouses. Um, so I, I think there's an there's an element of kind of like combining those those two aspects of like well I Jeff Bezos have figured out how to order society for myself so all that I have to do now is figure out how to order it that way for everyone else and and I've done it so uh, I can just show everyone else uh, how to do it and also I'm not going to worry about the fact that you know my workers are like having to pee in bottles um, working mm. in my like hellish you know warehouse o- o- operation. And I, I think I think I can be a little bit more forgiving um, to towards towards Elon Musk, which is which is not a sentence I, that I, I would normally <laughs> say, um, but but because like I, I almost feel like there's there's kind of like a a childlike wonder in, in it, like to him like like if he weren't you know the richest or second richest man in the world de- depending upon what day it is, um, like he he almost would be kind of like like an appealing figure, if you ignored all the bad things, that like, you know, I, I mean, space flight is cool. Lasers are cool. I like all those things. Um, And, you know, he certainly seems to be good at, at some things, you know, they're, they're arguably things that only make sense under capitalism. And so I kind of understand him getting a very high opinion uh, of himself. And, you know, the the fact that he's not like the P warehouse guy makes him, I think, a little bit more sympathetic uh in this, equation um but but when it comes to bezos especially i i do get the sense that there is this like underlying egoism I, I say as i psychoanalyze you know a a somewhat reclusive billionaire from afar <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah but i i think the thing is as you mentioned because musk is is far more uh far more of a public persona um i you can see i i think it's pretty clear from his, his tweets even that he he does he sees like this you know getting to mars or something as, as like this kind of uh apex of civilizational achievement and he definitely thinks that he has like a, a super important role in in doing that and i, I think he uh, i'm sure he's uh cynical in, in many ways but it feels like he he does earnestly believe that like he's saving the world with his technology uh you know he's going to save the environment with his electric cars and he's going to He's kinda of going to steward us towards this this uh civilizational apex it it does feel like that in the way he talks about himself and, and yeah there's there's definitely an ego there as we saw when he uh he accused um, that guy that saved the children from the cave of being a paedophile <laughs> because he he made fun of his rubbish little submarines that didn't work. Uh, so.
1: Yeah, and what's what's funny to me about like when you translate, um, you know, their role as individuals and kind of seeing themselves as like I will be the person, you know, I I must be the person who picks up the mantle of spaceflight is again in in the sort of utopia that Banks describes that cannot be a thing because nobody owns. Spaceflight, even nobody can can make society go in that direction, not even the super intelligent, you know, minds that that really kind of run Mm -hmm. everything at some fundamental level. Everyone has to agree with it. Um, and and something else that that Banks mentions interestingly, uh, you know, a, a number of times is that there are very frequently disputes within the culture, and what typically happens is that society kind of or, or sections of society will opt out of things because again, when you're when you're post scarcity, taking limitless resources and like you know having them, you still have effectively limitless re- you know resources. You don't really wind up with less. Hmm. So there have been big events in the books where they decide to go to war against another civilization and a big part of their society goes, well, we don't want to do that. So we're just, we're just, you know, not going to participate. And also we're not really going to associate with you anymore. No hard feelings, but you know, we'll be over here doing our own thing. Um, And that's something when you look at our society that, you know, you, you can't do you, you know, we, we don't Mm. get a say in the United States about, you know, what does the government spaceflight program look at? at? At least you know we we don't get like a one to one say. No. Um, maybe I don't want Elon Musk to to be the person you know trying to drive us towards the stars. Maybe I'd like an actual scientist to be doing <laughs> that. Um, and, and again, that's that that that's something that you know they they seem to feel about themselves that. Uh, just, just isn't really compatible with, with this, this vision, but it's, it's incompatible by omission, not because there's a line in the books. That's like, you can't be Elon Musk. That would suck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, just, uh, just, um, one final question. Um, and this is probably, no, this is definitely quite difficult to answer. So, um, I, I don't, I did, so it's slightly unfair of me to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, how do we interpret this this uh kind of strange uh ideological conflict that we've we've been talking through how do we how do we interpret that in terms of like the usefulness of utopian fiction like do do you read this as as an indictment of of what utopian fiction can do do you just read this as like a couple of people being a bit stupid (laughs) and not understanding things (laughs) um is this just a, a very specific example of of a very unique psychology of, of a couple of 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 uh of uh, unusual people
1: <laughs> um so i I actually have a pretty straightforward answer i think which okay. is I don't think that fiction can convince anyone to come over to your politics um and I don't think that's a particularly new revelation um I mean the one that I always think about is uh, the Upton Sinclair novel *The Jungle*, which literally ends with like a four-page speech about how socialism is the future. Socialism is the only answer to any of these problems, um, and it, like it literally ends with this, this like proclamation that like you know when we ta- when socialism takes Chicago, socialism will take the world. And you know people read that book and were like, oh my god, the meatpacking industry is terrible. Our hamburgers are disgusting. Um, and and so like I don't think it's any particularly new revelation that that people will take away from fiction what they want, mm-hmm. um, but what I would say is that you know I, I think something I, I think first of all having having an author like like Banks who existed and put his ideas out in the mainstream is an extremely important vital thing you know for every 10 people who just overlooked the ideology of these books I, I i think they also kind of plant these little like knowledge bombs in your head that maybe at you know 15 years down the line you'll go oh huh interesting i never thought of it this way um I, this this is a really silly example um there's a series of uh, american children's novels by uh bruce cavell called uh my teacher is an alien and it's, it's about exactly what it says it is, where, you know, these kids discover that their teacher is an alien who's came down from space to basically observe humanity. Um, and there's a part in one of the later books where the aliens take the kids around the world and show them all these people starving. And then they take them and show them all these warehouses, you know, in wealthier countries filled with food and basically go, uh, so, so Earthlings, what's the deal here? What's, what's going on? Now, when I was a kid and I read that, that didn't really have have any particular impression on me. Um, But as my politics changed over time, that became something that I actually thought about a a lot. And I I do think things like that can become a key to kind of unlocking the way that you see the world. Just maybe not always in the way that the author intended. Um, And so I, I almost feel like the role of fiction, especially like utopian fiction, is not necessarily to be like... Uh, here's utopia. Here's how to go do it. All right, everybody, get out in the street and let's let's go do this. Because that's that's not that's not how people engage with fiction. It's to at least create the idea. Then um, there's this notion that you know over the last ten or twenty years that you know science fiction has increasingly had no vision of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think to the extent that you can find counterexamples to that, where there there is a unique vision of the future for good or ill you know because for 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 every culture there's something like uh robert heinlein's uh the moon is a harsh mistress where he's talking about this kind of like weird right libertarian uh you know lunar colony that's like basically anarcho-capitalism um just the idea that we can envision a different a, a a different society than the one that we currently now live in i think has uh like an inherent value um, and it's, it's on, it's on the rest of us, not on the author to interpret those visions and try to determine a, whether that's an, uh, whether that's a vision that we want to work towards and also to, to, to figure out how, because I don't think there's any answer that you're going to get from any science fiction novel about like, oh, here's, here's how to do praxis perfectly, <laughs> you know, problem solved. I'll just go do it. Thanks. You know, sci-fi yeah. author.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. hundred percent. agree. Okay. Um, Well, thanks for coming on to to talk to me about this. It's been fun. As we mentioned up top, bloodknife.com if you want to read the uh, article that this episode is kind of based on and uh, all the other stuff that you can find there. Uh, Is there anything else you want to point people towards Kurt before we close off?
1: Uh, no, i'll I'll just, I'll just emphasize you know we're always putting out new essays we're always looking for new contributors on on blood knife um you know we we try to organize the magazine uh my, my myself and my kind of co co-conspirators uh Colin Broadmore, uh, Trevor Drinkwater, um, and uh, one other gentleman, uh, Nick, who is kind of a, a non-Twitter partner. Um, they're they're all extremely helpful for kind of organizing the magazine behind the scenes. But one of the things that we wanted to do is to make sure that we are paying people uh, fairly, and so we're always looking for new authors, and we we pay you know not not uh, not like riches, but I, I would say we we pay significantly better than the, the vast majority of kind of. Uh, digital magazines, and we're always trying to raise the rate at which we we pay people. That was kind of one of the foundational log lines. I I would kind of invite listeners, uh, you know, who I assume are interested in science fiction or fantasy in some way, um, you know, definitely check out the website, read some of the stuff that we've had there. We've had a, a ton of really great authors. We're always putting out new stuff. Um, but also definitely, you know, consider contributing. We're always looking for new leftist writers um, to, to write about, you know, undercovered or, or underappreciated genre uh, media. And so I, I'm always delighted when I get a bunch of new pitches from people who say, oh, you know, I, I heard about your magazine on this podcast, or I saw it on this website and and I wanted to, to reach out. Um, so I strongly encourage that. Cool. And okay. uh, you can support the magazine um, if you so... Uh, if you so desire, um, you can get early access to um, unlocked articles uh, by supporting us on patreoncom Um And if there is a locked article that you would really desperately like to read, uh, you can message me on Twitter at uh, at Mechanical Kurt, uh, Kurt with a K, or, or uh, at BloodknifeMag, um, and I will be more than happy to send you the the, the, the article. Since I know that uh, you know times are tough, uh, and we we try to meet people where they are instead of you know gatekeeping all, all of our content.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, uh thanks again, Kurt. It's been fun.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for, for for having me on. Um it is a delight. Uh I've I've always enjoyed the podcast and it's it's a, a real privilege to get to uh to appear on it. So thanks so much.
0: Cool. Cheers. That is the end of my conversation with Kurt. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as I mentioned on top, uh rating or review would be appreciated if you like this and remember to have a look at patreon.com slash utopian horizons. If you'd like to hear more from me, uh and you can have a look at what bonus episodes you could get access to while supporting me to help keep doing this. Um, that's all from me for now. Uh hopefully I'll be keeping to a slightly more regular schedule and I'll be back fairly quickly with something else cool. Uh, if you've got any comments or questions or anything, you can always email me on utopianhorizonspod at gmail.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at utopianhorizons. Uh, but yeah, anyway, as I said, I'll be back soon, and I will see you then. Bye bye.